Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Well, welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. So glad that you've joined me and so grateful for the time we have together considering the great trends and movements that are happening in our world. I want to build off of the podcast that I did in the last episode. As you recall, I talked to you about what's happened with the Kurds. I talked to you about the decisions that Donald Trump has made. I talked to you about what's happening in our culture regarding the Kurds and all of that that's been so disturbing. As I sit here right now, uh, the ceasefire, the pause, as uh, Erdogan called it, uh, has not really uh, ended yet. We're going to see what's going to happen. Uh, there is evidence that the Turks are using White, white phosphorus against the Kurds, and we already have pictures of children burned horribly with white phosphorus. There's hardly anything worse that could happen to a child. More will come. I will update you. Watch my social media. Mansfield Rights is the name of all, almost all of my social media, certainly Twitter, uh, and we will update you, and I will continue to tell you about the horrible thing that has now befallen the Kurds. I want to zoom out from the immediate situation and talk to you about a macro trend that is happening that involves America's role in the world. This is one of the most important things happening in our time. And it would be easy for us to look at just the recent decision by Donald Trump to pull troops from northern Syria and just the recent events and all of the happenings in Washington and miss the macro trend. So let me start, or let me go back a few years now. At the end of World War II, uh, much of what we have called the third world was not developed enough to be a global power. And um, much, much of Europe had been decimated. Um, Russia was largely decimated, although it would rise quickly as a global power. But really, it was the United States that was the superpower on the world stage. We owned, believe it or not, 90% of the world's gold. Though we had sustained an attack in Hawaii, we had not been continentally attacked during World War II. Uh, our industries had been supercharged. Uh, we rose dramatically uh, during the 16 years from the Great Depression to the end of World War II. There um, had been tremendous technological innovation, tremendous innovation. Our factories were supercharged. You remember the image of Rosie the Riveter, uh, women going to work in factories while men were at war. The whole country became, as it were, a great big supercharged company, a great big supercharged factory. So you come down to 1945, we're prospering, we're thriving, um, and things go fairly well. Sure, the Korean War breaks out. That doesn't really end our prosperity. It's, it's, a, it's a disturbing episode. It doesn't end with a clear victory. Uh, still haven't signed a peace deal, peace agreement uh, from the Korean War. But it, that war does not damage America's rise materially and as a superpower. So we've been the world's superpower. We were the primary hedge uh, against communism. We uh, engaged in the Marshall Plan to help restore Europe after World War II. That's because we were so amazingly prosperous. Um, we've done, made mistakes. We've sent armies where we shouldn't have. We fought wars we should not have. But our military has been powerful. Our military held evil in check in much of the world. We were, despite the fact many in Washington and many in the country would, did not like it. We were the world's policemen. 
And that's just the truth. Uh, and there were wars that were unwise, and there were military engagements that were unwise, and we sometimes intruded where we should not have. And we certainly tried to, or to influence people's elections and people's economies for the good of our, our, our own value system or the good of our own companies, and we should not have done some of that. Nevertheless, the point is that we have been, pretty much since World War II, the world's superpower. And that has, I would have to say, uh, for the most part, been a good influence. Now, what's happened in recent years is that other players have emerged on the world's scene. These players would not have been in any shape to exert influence on the world scene previously. Russia, for example, has gotten a new wind in its sails and is rising dramatically in the world. I remember being in the Soviet, in the former Soviet Union in the early 90s, and I'm telling you, I actually, I mean, even though my father was a Russian linguist and a military intelligence officer in the U.S. Army, and we lived in Berlin mainly so he could be part of countering Russia and countering communism, when I was in Russia in the early 90s, I, could, I, I looked around and thought, what did we have to fear from these people? Their economy was trash. Their technology didn't work. Their people were impoverished. I mean, it was, you, you never, you thought the Soviet Union would never rise again, or that Russia would never rise again. Uh, China was not in any kind of shape uh, early in history, and I dressed after World War II to exert a lot of influence. Um, it, it, they, I mean, they had almost been dominated by the Japanese during World War II. And, and Jap- Japan, of course, is about the, the size of, of a small province in China. Uh, but nevertheless, now, though, China is our main competitor on the world stage, and they are not a benevolent force. Russia is rising dramatically. Uh, we're seeing other forces. The EU is trying to exert itself. You have these nations that are uh, attempting to play a role in world affairs. All of this, and by the way, they are they are real economic powerhouses. The technology in China is superior to ours. Um, their production, the, the sheer size of that, that nation is, is much, much larger than ours. So they, they, these are not just attempts. These are serious efforts. All of that's happening at a time when the U.S. is receding. I don't mean we're receding in terms of power and strength, but we are pulling out of the world situation. I think the Gulf Wars... I think some other military involvements, uh, I think our, our, our work in the Middle East uh, has caused Americans to become weary. We're tired of seeing bodies of American soldiers, American warriors come back to Dover. We're tired of funerals. We're tired of a death count. Um, we're tired of um, ever since Korea, really, the, the Korean War, we fought wars that didn't seem to have any clear resolution. They didn't. We couldn't declare victory and get out. We didn't, quote unquote, win the Vietnam War. We didn't win the Korean War. We didn't win the Gulf War, so to speak. Obviously, we were won the initial uh, military incursion, but we didn't bring peace. We didn't. We didn't uh, do the policekeeping operation we should have done. And uh, as I've said many times on this podcast, Iraq is a mess. The Kurds in the north and the KRG are doing great, but Iraq is a failed nation. I'm not sure it will survive as a nation um, throughout my lifetime. So we're weary. Why should our sons and daughters be dying and bleeding and contending and, and be misshapen by being involved in wars around the world of people who it seems like, according to the evening news, hate us? This is what's going on. Then, of course, we have a president, Donald Trump, 
um, who whose theme is MAGA, you know, make America great again. Let's come home. Let's take care of America first. Let's stop engaging in global alliances. Let's let's stop engaging in entangling alliances. Let's bring the troops home. And this is largely what motivated his removal of troops from northern Syria, the 500 to 1,000 troops who were uh, basically keeping Turkey in check, protecting the Kurds, keeping Assad in check in Syria. Uh, and when he pulled them, possibly to deflect from his domestic woes and the impeachment charges and Ukraine, but uh, definitely out of a commitment, an idea that we should stop having Americans in harm way around, harm's way around the world and making America the world's policeman, um, then all the disasters that we see happening there now took place. But let's be clear about the macro trend. The macro t- trend is that Americans are engaging in a neo-isolationism. We had that theme uh, earlier in our history. We were isolationists. We had the Monroe Doctrine early in our history. You've studied this in school. We've gradually been blown out of that kind of isolation. That's what World War I meant. Uh, that's what the Spanish-American War uh, meant before that. We ended up you know, occupying territory on the other side of the world, for heaven's sakes. Um, how did that happen for a nation that wanted to remove itself from colonial authority and wanted to live in isolation? So it hasn't worked for America to live in isolation, and we've bled a great deal, and we've buried our young, and we've fought wars. Um, I I have a draw to battlefields and to battlefield cemeteries. I have wept in the Philippines at the American cemetery. I have wept elsewhere where Americans are buried abroad. I'm sensitive to that. My, my family history uh, is very much a, a history of, of men going abroad to fight. I come from a long line of military guys. And so my father fought in Vietnam and worked in Iran. My grandfather uh, were, fought in the Philippines, fought in Germany, etc. Uh, this is part of my history. So I'm sensitive to that. What I'm trying to say, what I want to say, the conclusion I'm heading towards with all of this background is that we must be very careful as we recede from the world stage. We must be very careful because while America has not always been perfect in its role as a superpower, in its role as the world's policeman, it has done good. It has been a hedge against evil. And if we recede too rapidly, if we throw up our hands in despair and just pull everybody home, we will leave vacuums that evil will fill. You don't want Iran filling the vacuum in the Middle East. You don't want Russia unchecked. You don't want Assad, the head of Syria, unchecked. You don't want this. Um, this, this. You don't want most of the nations of the world completely unchecked because they probably will do evil. And that's not because I'm not saying that because we're pure. I don't want the U.S. to be unchecked either. I don't want us to have our, our will and our way on every square inch of, of the globe. Uh, I want us to have to be, to be checked. That's what keeps good happening. You have powerful forces for good, but no one has complete control. The decision of Donald Trump to withdraw a small, relatively small amount of troops from northern Syria is possibly going to mean um, a complete realignment in the Middle East with evil prevailing. Uh, Mr. Erdogan, I will say, is an evil man. Russia is not an evil empire, but it needs to be held to some degree in check, just like we do. And Iran absolutely has Shia uh, jihadist intent and, and, and will 
will wipe out, will engage in genocide. There's no question about it. And and by the way, you've heard me say in this podcast that I'm that I'm very hopeful for the future of Iran, that I love the fact the average age is in the 20s and and I think there's a young generation rising, but still it's it, the way it conducts itself as a player in world affairs is not a righteous thing. So we've got to be careful. To use the illustration I used in the last podcast, if I agree to walk a, an older an old woman across the street in a busy city, and I get her halfway across and then abandon her, I've actually committed a crime. I would have been better off not to help her in the first place in terms of, the, of, the, of, of what I've done morally. It's not immoral for me to go a different way and not help her. But if I take her to the middle of the street and leave her in harm's way, um, I, I've, I've engaged in reckless endangerment. And it, that, like, I've said, like I said last time, this is a crime under most legal systems. Well, we in the United States need to really reconsider our weariness with playing a role in the world. We shouldn't allow a MAGA, America first, uh, make America great and America only kind of mentality to prevail. Now, that's not a political statement. I, I, I think many times we have diminished uh, the good of, of America in our international dealings. I am not an, a globalist and internationalist automatically. I think, we, I think our statesmen are, are responsible to take care of, of folks at home. And if we're preferring China and damaging um, thousands of people in, in Alabama, we're not doing our job. So, so don't hear me being just automatically against that, that kind of uh, perspective of a little bit of protectionism, a little bit of caring for the home folks. But to just instantly recede from the world with bitterness, to just instantly pull back from the good we have been doing, to cease to function as a superpower, to leave vacuums around the world that evil fills, we will pay for that. We live in a global society. We don't just live alone. You may feel isolated wherever you're listening to this podcast in Phoenix or California or up in Minnesota or in Nashville or down in Atlanta or in New York. You may feel like, hey, we're protected. We've got oceans on both sides and, and, uh, and a vast continent and we've got a strong military. We don't need the rest of the world. And I understand that thinking and that kind of thinking um, has, has been a very major part of American history. But we live in a global society now. And if we don't play our role on the global stage to some degree, still taking care of the home fire, still taking care of our, our, our homeland, no question, uh, we will pay for it. What's going to happen if the world is constantly in upheaval? And by the way, let me just ask you, suppose we allow, as we are doing now, a vacuum in the Middle East and Iran or Russia or, or maybe more specifically Turkey fills that vacuum. Well, for two of those, for Iran and Russia, Israel becomes the target. They will target Israel. Mr. Erdogan, the head of uh, Turkey, has said that he would, uh, he would wipe out Jerusalem in a neo-jihad if he had the power. Now, do you think that if these, these big nations, Iran and Turkey, attack Israel, are, are we not going to send American planes, American troops? Are we not going to defend Israel? Will that not happen? Of course, we have strategic relationships with Israel. And, and especially, that's one of the oddities of this president. He's radically pro-Israel, even moved our embassy from, uh, uh, from Tel Aviv into Jerusalem. But, but then he's allowing uh, threats to Israel to rise in power in the region. We would absolutely go to war. So by not leaving 500 or to 1,000 troops, and it's really more like 500, I'm told, uh, troops on the ground in northern Syria, we now might move many, many more troops and much more expensive material uh, in the defense of Israel or in defense of the Iraqi Kurds, where we're building a gigantic consulate that really probably is going to end up becoming a, an airport. So 
my point is simply this. I want to take a care of our nation. I think we often have had international relationships and, and trade agreements that damaged our, our nation. I'm glad for a shift in emphasis. But, but the idea that we should pull all American troops home, that we have no obligation to the world, that, that as few as 500 troops doing the massive good they were doing in, North, in northern Syria um, should be pulled because we don't want, why should they be there? Why should we have endless wars? This is unwise. It's unwise. And we've gone through these phases before. We've cycled through this isolationist mentality and sentiment, sentiment before. And it hasn't served us well. And every time we get blown back on the world stage expensively, embarrassingly, and at great cost of life. Because we weren't willing to maintain a consistent and wise presence that would have prevented the blow up to begin with. I want you to ponder this. I want you to think about what you've studied. I want you to realize, yes, America wanted isolationism in its early history. We wanted the Monroe Doctrine. We were glad we were uh, protected by two oceans. We were glad we were as vast a continent as we are, or part of a continent. But still, to pull out of the dangerous world situations that we now are pulling out of, out of a kind of a neo-isolationism that just is born of weariness with the loss and the price, is to deny our role as a superpower, is to leave vacuums that evil will fill, and is to simply create situations that we will end up answering more expensively down the road. Let's be wise. Let's be cautious. Let's be steady. Let's not do a knee-jerk reaction. And that's a lot of what's going on in American politics today. For those of you who listen to this, who are work in the State Department, who are in Congress, who are in the Senate, uh, who are in the administration, let's do what we can to make sure that we are not doing a knee-jerk response like has happened time and again in American history. And many of you have studied American diplomatic history and not given ourselves to an isolationist surge that just ends up setting ourselves up for a more expensive investment in the future. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.